right, here we are. Right. It is July 31st. That means tomorrow's August. My goodness, this year wow. is just flying by. We are here at the Questions Podcast. Hey, Pastor Mark. Hey, Pastor Miles, what's up? Not a whole lot. This is like number 25? 25? Man. Have we seriously been doing this for 25? That's like almost a half a That's year. That's a half a year. I thought for sure somebody would shut us down by Protest now. Protest or cut off the electricity, the lights, or maybe collapse the whole internet. Who who possibly would shut us down anyway? Nobody's watching. Nobody's listening. No, <laughs> well, apparently that's not there's some, true. No, there's some people that are listening. And there's a gravitational pull there. More people are listening all the time. This is true. Thank goodness. Kind of crazy. Makes us feel, well, our self-esteem increases for sure. Yeah, we just don't want to ever get big heads. 188 subscribers. Woohoo! Man. We're well on our way to success. What is success anyway? What is success? I don't know. Man, oh man. Mm, wow. Man. You clearing the sinuses there? I feel good. Yeah. I'm going to go out and ride bikes with the guys a little good. bit. I well, ate something. It's a little cooler today. Day, today's the oh, coolest day of the week. Man, it has been. The other day I was riding with our buddy Greg, mm. and it was like 99 degrees. It was horrible. Uh, it's, it's cooler today. Yeah. It's only 83 right now. So, you know, when you're on the trail every week at the same time, you run into the same people. Yeah. And there's these two guys that run together that all the time, and they run without shirts. So you can see them, like, shiny, sweating. Glistening. Glistening, like well, yeah. a quarter of a mile off. I did that years ago. And, like, two months ago? Yeah. These guys were kind of like, you know, normal skin tones. Now these guys are so dark. Two guys, just they, they're just getting a tan. They're getting darker and darker and darker. They look like seals. They got such a dark tan, and they're just glistening, and they look miserable. Is run you? You're a runner, aren't I, you? I I can't claim that I'm a runner anymore. I have not I have not run in well over a year, though. I would like to start again. Well, you I just saw you just bought some stretchy pants. I, no, they're not stretchy. Pants. Okay, they're, they're soccer. They're soccer, soccer shorts. They're soccer shorts. I like yeah. to run in soccer shorts. Yeah, you don't catch me wearing stretchy pants. No, they're not stretchy pants. They're soccer shorts. Do they stretch? No, they're soccer shorts. Okay. They're made out of like nylon or something. Oh, they're baggy. They're cool. They're baggy. You're, you're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Soccer. They're not. They're not. You're you're a bicycle guy. You probably wear bicycle shorts, like spandexy stuff. I wear those are stretchy pants. Stretchy pants with pads. Oh, like a butt big pad, like baboon butt pads. Yeah. yeah, totally, totally. But they're underneath my cool mountain biker short, like surf trunk things. Oh, okay. So I look normal. I don't know about normal. Well, except I got a baboon butt, but nobody's looking <laughs> at that. It's all about good. That. Yeah. Spe- except the poor guys that got to ride behind you. You know what? And I try to make that happen as often as I can. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is going south so quick. No, but you know what? Mm. I'm going to be going really slow today. Why? My wife brought some leftovers for Ooh. me, some type of like meat and bean Mexican-y thing. With... That sits heavy. It yeah, sits very heavy. I am going to be the slow-mo guy today. Man. Goodness. Man. Maybe I can get an electric bike. I totally, I think the, the electric assist thing, is that kosher? That is of the Antichrist. No, come on. Look, a bike is a bike. Don't start electric bike and then you're on the trail. No, that is electric cheating. assist. That it's just, oh, yeah. it's just helping you on the uphill. Okay, the guy's got his feet on the handlebars. And he's eating an ice cream cone. That is not electric assist. Okay, a new bike made by Tesla. Oh yeah, Ooh. well yeah, that'd be. I'd ride that one. That would be legit. Yeah, but I couldn't ride with the boys. Elon they, Elon says he's not going to make a uh, an electric uh, motorcycle too dangerous. Which really? I think it probably could be. There's no torque, man. It just it just lights off quick. 
Well, come on, all you scientific people out there. Just let Darwin do his job. See what happens. There you go. There you go. You need a bike helmet. Come on. Speaking of Darwin doing his job, um, a little bit of news. Um, we talked about him last week. Oh, I relish. Tell me. What's going on? Well, he, he wrote, I kissed marriage goodbye last week. Now he kisses Christianity goodbye. Joshua Harris is now no longer a Christian, he says. Really? He just, like, unchristian himself. For, for those who don't know who Joshua Harris is, he wrote the hit book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, back in the early 2000s. And then another courtship Christian dating book, Boy Meets Girl, in, like, I don't know, 2003 or four, And now he just broke things off with his wife and broke things off with Jesus. I've heard that people are demanding reparations for all the hot dates they missed when because of that book when they were, you know, my kid's age. So he's probably got some lawsuits coming now. Oh, man. There what you go. No, I guarantee he's going to be coming out with a new book in no time. You think so? It'll be a, it'll be a hit seller, too. I think, a deconversion I, story. Do you think there's more, you think there's more to it? You there's got to be. You don't think he's kissing girls goodbye, do you? I sure hope not. Oh, man. We'll see. I, it's weird. It's strange. Uh, but it's on the sad. same on the same front, I saw this article too. This one stood out to me from Austin, Texas. It was a University of Texas, I guess. This is a research, like real, real university level research here. People who cheat on their spouses are significantly more likely to engage in misconduct in the workplace. Duh. Duh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and yeah. in Texas, the ethics of yeah, they probably yeah. have an ethical problem. Period. So well, it's yeah. going to cross uh, over. Uh, oh no, I cheat on my wife, but I don't cheat on anything we, else. We have yeah. substantiated this with actual university level research. Man, you know what? <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. And then this is in Texas. They're probably more likely to get shot too. Maybe good possibility. You know what? People carry guns in Texas. Yes, and not just guys. Yes. Yeah. People Lots carry of guns. guns. Don't mess Gu- with Texas. Do you think guns outnumber people in Texas? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think guns yeah. outnumber people in San Diego. Like, actually, like ten to one. Probably. Yeah. You know, they're they're there. So yeah. Well, on the on the whole college level thing, this was another uh, article that stood out from uh, some news organization in Illinois. This one's interesting. Dozens of sub, uh, suburban Chicago families, perhaps dozens. many more, dozens, have been exploiting a legal loophole to win their children need-based college financial aid and scholarships. So apparently... I if, heard this yesterday you from hear Roberto. About this? You can, like, get adopted by a poor family. That that parents are, like, giving up legal guardianship of their children to some family member or friend in the junior or senior year of high school for their kids so that their kids can scam the college into getting uh, tuition from the government. I got a real problem with that. Yeah, it's a good way to teach your kids ethics, and then you find out that they cheat on their their spouse in the future and then they cheat at work in the future and then they kiss jesus goodbye yeah and they kiss jesus goodbye and then they get shot yeah so it's a whole circle it's great teach your kids that they go to work for hostess and next thing you know the twinkie's smaller oh my goodness you know i think that um ethics is a class that we probably need to start teaching people again there you know there's no real moral guidelines anymore in our country that's a great idea. Let's go find some liberal college to teach them ethics. How's that? No, sound? no, I'm saying I think we, they need some real, solid, good biblical ethics. No, I, I think that would be fantastic. But I don't. What, what are ethics nowadays? I don't know. So ethics are the question of should we do something? We can. It's possible. So it's the whole discussion from uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah, you know that's my biggest. We can make dinosaurs again. Yeah, but should you? Should you? Yeah. yeah. I and my biggest problem with people, we'll call it gaming the system, so uh-huh. to speak, is the people who really need it. A lot of times, are not on top of all this stuff. They're like, 
they really need it, but they're not on top of all this stuff. And it's like the people who really need it don't get it because it's gone. Yeah. And then I think most most people that I know that are like normal people go, you know, have a job, uh, you know, work for a living, all that. When they see somebody in need, in genuine need, they have no issue. Helping them out. Helping them out. Sure. Not a problem at all. Totally agree. But then the few people who kind of work the system, it makes us, it makes us just, uh, what do you say? Um, mm, there's a word for it. Against the system. We get it makes we get us all, jaded. Jaded. There you go. Yeah. Jaded. So we get yeah. a little get a little upset and, and angry. Yeah, and then we think everybody's working the system and it's no good. So that's wrong. That's a bummer. They're stealing from other people. Yes. Not a good thing. Yeah. And and parents training their kids to be Liars. amoral. Liars. Unethical. Yeah. It's yeah. a lie. Yes. Yes it is. Those eggs were a lie, Stephen. <laughs> yes. Indeed. Okay. Man, I think that's all the news I got. Yeah, I think so. Those well, ones. I think some out. of it has to do with the questions we have. You think so? Yeah, it's a good possibility. Absolutely. I I wasn't able to be here this last weekend, so uh, Pastor Garrett, apparently my shorter, better looking counterpart, filled in for me last minute. Really? Yeah, I saw it. I knew. Yeah, yeah. I I I'm glad he did. He did a good job. He did a good I job. I mean, I'm not glad you were like, you know, near death or anything. I was not near death. I, 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 had, a, a little, I had a sore throat little thing. A little sore throat. We didn't, want to, we didn't want to mess up the golden voice. Well, I wouldn't even call it a golden voice. I just knew that if, oh. I, if I stretched it, I wouldn't have a voice for the podcast. This was really important. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's a multitude. Priorities, of, priorities. Well, there's a multitude of people waiting to hear. Yeah, a whole multitude. 188 subscribers. One man's multitude is another man's small gathering. Okay. You know? You know, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna if you say, that one. if you say I'm, I'm rich, I mean, there's a baseline for everything, right? It's all subjective. And absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, shall we subject some people to our subjections? I do not object. Okay, here we go. All right. We got a, Bible, we got a Bible question right out of here out of Mark four, mm. verse 11 to who has it be given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God? Maybe you should read that, huh? Oh, it's coming from the passage that uh, Pastor Garrett talked about this last weekend. Yep. And he was talking about uh, parables. And so Jesus told the parable of the, the sower. That's what he talked about, yeah. right? Scattering the seed. I did listen to the message. And then his disciples, they come and they, they ask him questions about the parables. And so Mark 4.11 says, And he said to them, To you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So Jesus spoke with the multitudes or spoke to the multitudes in parables, but he he gave the the information. He unveiled things to his disciples. So the you, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God in that passage is the disciples who came to him and asked him about the parable. What does it mean? So I think that answers the question. I'm pretty sure that answers it. You think the Holy Spirit had anything to do with that? In in what way? You think it's a practical, just a early, just a straight statement, or he's even digging a little deeper, saying, "Well, maybe the Holy Spirit is revealing some things to you that you know, because you're on the other side of the fence, so to speak." So that brings up the question, another question to this: At oh. what point did they even have the Holy Spirit? I don't think they did. So you don't think so? No, because remember, after the resurrection, Jesus breathed your on comforter. them. That didn't work. He breathed on them and said, "Receive ye the Holy Spirit." Yeah. I was waiting for like the big booming. Go wait and be in one place, one of a cord and whatnot. 
Kind of, sort of. That was the manifestation. Anyway. Sure, yeah. yeah. I'll send you the comforter. Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Okay. He is with you and he shall be in you, is what Jesus told his disciples in John 14, I think. Okay, so he said yeah. shall be. So he didn't shall say he that didn't he have was. Him yet. Didn't have him yet. Hmm. Interesting. Mm, because totally. like one of the ways that we are led to the Lord, the Holy Spirit, ultimately helps lead us to the Lord, the Holy Spirit within us. Or with us. With us, rather, yeah. He's with you, shall yeah. be in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's in the world, convinc- convicting the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. Yeah, there's important things here. It's all about nomenclature. Okay, so that's answered. Sure, I'm calling it answered. I'm going answered. I Number take two, it. I'm reading through Matthew and had a question at the end of Matthew 19. It says, "But quotes, but many who are first will be last, and the last first. And the end of the first passage of Matthew 20. I think it's 16, maybe in there." Uh, it says, so the last be first and the first last. Does this have any more significance other than corroborating each other? Does this mean anything to us today? Yes and yes. Um, I, so the the fact that it skips from Matthew 19 to Matthew 20 here shouldn't um, cause any problem here. There's not two different things going on here. It's, it's the, the same, same story. Meaning. Yeah. yeah, okay. Um, so sometimes the chapters, chapter breaks are not in the best location. So what happens at Matthew 19, 30 at the end of Matthew 19 and what goes on in Matthew 20, the first opening passage they're they're all the same thing. So it's kind of like that many who are first will be last and last be first in Matthew 19, 30. It just carries right on over into Matthew chapter 20. And Jesus is telling another parable, actually a really interesting parable, the parable of the, the vine workers. Remember the... Yeah. The vine vineyard owner goes and he, he asks for workers at six in the morning and then again at nine and then at noon and then at like three and then at the end of the day, right before everything's done. And But he makes a deal with the guys who come at the beginning of the day, come and work in my vineyard and right. I'll pay you, pay you a denarius, which is a day's wage. And then at the end of the day, the uh, the landowner, the vineyard owner, he tells his accountant, if you will, to pay all these guys, but start paying those who only worked like a few minutes at the end of the day. So these guys who barely worked an hour, he gave them a whole day's wage. And then he goes to the guys who started at three o'clock, gives them a day's wage. And those who started at noon and gives them a day's wage. And then those who started at nine and so forth. So the guys who started working at six in the morning, they're like, oh, we're going to make big bucks today. Oh, they think they're going to get two denarii. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're thinking we're going to make double denarii. Big money. Tuesday. If he gave a whole day's wage to the guy who worked 20 minutes, he's going to give us big bucks. Man, no whammies. Big bucks, no whammies. And um, and then ultimately that's not what happens. And he gives them a day's wage as well. And they get all upset. And um, he asks them a really good question. I love this. In Matthew 20, verse 15, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So this is the master who says, hey, it's my money. I can pay people as I want to. And I paid you what I told you I'd pay you. And then he says, so... The last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. So the Matthew 19, 30, first and last thing, and this Matthew 20, verse 16, it's just kind of like two bookends on the end of a, the whole so scenario. So all one big thought. Right, and he's he's basically explaining what he means by the first will be last and the last first in that whole story, I think. And uh, so what's the significance for us? I think the significance for us is to recognize that um, the way that God is ultimately going to reward things is not exactly the way that there might be some surprises to us 
and the way that God rewards things. And he rewards according to his grace. I mean, the very fact that we're going to heaven is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. That's, um, he's got some awesome grace there. I don't know. You have any other thoughts on that? Well, it'd be interesting to see, because it also makes a good point that we really shouldn't <laughs> compare ourselves to one another either. There's a little of that going on. I think they're looking. We're at, good at that. Yeah, awesome at it. That's what yeah. we do. I'm an expert at comparing myself uh, to other people. Well, I was going to say, you know, anti-social media kind of made that a, a, mm. is perfecting it right now. Uh, people comparing themselves quite, to one quite another. an experiment going on there. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. I don't. I don't think it's going to end well. It's not so far. No, it's. You know, it, it's kind of like Tokyo in a Godzilla movie. Yeah. He may be a friendly well. monster. It never. It's always hard on Tokyo. It's just. It's not good. He was a friendly monster. Well, I mean, he was definitely. I think we're he was, back on the subject of Godzilla. We keep coming yeah, back. Yeah, I, this I right feel now. like Godzilla was. Uh, he was pro Japanese. I mean, he always showed up there, and sometimes Does he helped them out. Well, he was defending them against other monsters, or maybe he just oh, didn't like the other monsters. Gotcha. I mean, there's the smog monster. I mean, there's a lot of them. Really? Oh, you never grew up watching I, I Godzilla. I grew up with this. Was this like 60s or 70s? 70s. 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 I'm not that old. I was born in 64. Well, they may have been may have been reruns or something. I don't know. That's true. There were a few that were in black and white. Yeah. It was cool. The little no, you no could see the you could Godzilla. see the fishing line strings on the monsters. Then it was great. Boy, I loved it. Whoa, so anyway, I have a days. feeling this is going to lead into our suffering question later on. <laughs> Godzilla? No. The. Landowner thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll see what yeah. happens. All so, right. We'll see we'll how that, that. that so, comes about. No, I feel like you, you answered that. All right. And it's, it's, uh, do you think that fly in today's society? The, uh, paying those wages? Yeah. Yeah, probably not. Man. The labor, the labor board would be a little upset. Wow. Hmm. Man. Yeah. Just put, be glad you got a job. How's Amen. that sound? Amen. All right. And be glad that well, you did your job and then you got paid for it. Because that, that doesn't always happen either. So, remember that scene in Napoleon Dynamite where they had to do something with the chickens all day? Do the chickens have large talons? talons? Uh. <laughs> and then the farmer like paid him in change. Oh goodness! Got his checkbook. Yeah. Do the chickens have large talons? Oh gosh. Uh, lucky. <sighs> so I'm calling that answered. All right. All right. Number three. Do we believe in conditional salvation? I guess this must have something to do with losing your salvation. It is. It, uh, somebody actually talked to me about this question. Like, are there conditions on our salvation? I mean, can we be saved and then, you know, not be saved later because we were bad? I uh, guess this depends on which side of the ideological, theological spectrum you find yourself if you're more Arminian or Cal- uh, Calvinist. So Calvinists don't believe you can lose your salvation. Arminians believe that you can lose your salvation. I'm not saying Armenian, but Arminian. Um, so you have these two different views. They both have a lot of scripture to support their views. And uh, we, or I, I think we, really try to to uh, be as balanced as possible in our interpretation of the scriptures. So the Bible definitely gives us a lot of things upon which we can build strong assurance that we have salvation. Right. But then there's some really important warnings to us about uh, taking heed to our salvation and stuff. So lest we fall away. Yeah, apostasy. I mean, there's the whole, you know, won't be snatched out of his hand thing. And then on the other side of it, there's the uh, depart from me. I never knew you. That's scary. Yeah. So, so I guess the take that I've always taken this with when I talk with someone who's worried about losing their salvation 
Uh, generally speaking, my experience has been when someone talks to me and they're worried about conditional salvation, if they could lose their salvation, it's normally not them that they're worried about. It's some family member. They've got a, a child that's no longer walking with the Lord. They have a family member, brother or sister that's no longer walking with the Lord, and they're concerned about their salvation Somebody and else stuff. and yeah. stuff, yeah. So they're worried that did so-and-so lose their salvation? They used to go to church. They used to be really involved. Now they're not. Maybe they're even living in sin. Maybe they kissed marriage goodbye and kissed Jesus goodbye, and they're worried about their salvation and stuff. And uh, in that case, my encouragement to people is, well, go share the gospel with them and be really faithful to pray for them that they would begin to turn back to the Lord. Ezekiel talks about this in Ezekiel chapter 3, I believe it is, turning a wayward person back to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jesus speaks to it as well. So um, I don't think that we should make um, comfortable... I don't think we should make... People who are walking in sin feel comfortable. They should feel uncomfortable about that. Yeah. And then once in a while, I'll get the other one I get, though, is, is somebody who's trying to figure out how close they can skate to the line and still be saved. And I'm like, dude, you're already in hot water. Yeah. Because you have a heart that is wondering, like, how close you can be to evil and still be okay. And I, I'm just going to say you're probably not saved. They get all shook up about that. And I'm like, live your life in a way that you are assured of your salvation. Yeah. As Make your as, call and election sure is what Peter says. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I don't mean in a haughty, proud way, but just don't compromise. Yeah. In fact, don't I'm be pretty sure we're going to talk about that that exact topic in the next passage we're going to be in in 1 John chapter 4 this weekend, which I was supposed to teach last weekend, but I wasn't here. So yeah, We're going to be in that, we're gonna we're gonna be in that book eventually. for at least another three years. So we're good. I Yeah. yeah you, you think so? Maybe. Maybe. Three months anyway. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. At least a couple weeks. But... um. So yeah, make your call and election sure. So I do think that we can be, we can have assurance of our salvation and should have assurance of our salvation. And you are absolutely saved in Christ. So be in Christ, remain in Christ. And um, is apostasy possible? Well, the warnings of scripture seem to be pretty, pretty strong, especially in Hebrews. So I think people should take, take those seriously. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we're, we have assurance in Christ of salvation. I, and I also think it's another good thing to keep in mind. Like you and I, we're not, we're, we're not the boss of the applesauce when it comes to salvation. And, you know, we, we can't, you know, for us to judge what somebody else is, if they're saved or not, or this or that, we don't know that God knows that. I mean, I've prayed with some people in the hospital who have, you know, given their lives to Jesus younger and not done real well. And, but fought some real demons. And when you sit down and have the conversation with them, they know Jesus. Yeah. They haven't had victory in Jesus all the time, but they know Jesus. And if you're, you're asking them all the right questions and they're giving you all the right answers. And I've watched those people slip into eternity. And, and I believe they're with Jesus when I, I was very quite convinced of their heart and where they're at. They just didn't do a great job with it. And I, I think one thing we have to also remember is, you know, we would have a lot more grace for people if we actually knew what their struggles were. I remember sitting down and um, talking with a country music guy because you're a huge country music fan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you're huge. Very yeah. much Anyway, so. uh, Randy Travis. Oh, I do know of him. Yeah, and to listen to his childhood and his growing up and his young years and what he had as examples and the things that were put upon him through no fault of his own and listening to how, you know, getting through all those things and... um I'm like, man, you know, people would throw Randy under the bus pretty often. And I'm listening to him. I go, man, you're doing pretty good. 
for all the stuff that he had for gone all through. the stuff he had gone through and, and, you know, having a little grace for him. And, and I was not doubting that he had a relationship with Jesus. Uh, cause at the end, when he was at the end of his rope, that's, that's who he was relying on. So it was, uh, it was a very interesting conversation. I was really blessed by it. Actually. I learned a lot by it because yeah. you don't run it. Typically we had great homes. We grew up in great homes, you know, dads, moms, all that, but we typically don't run into that type of situation all the time. And then somebody's willing to bear their souls and talk about it. Boy, it was a real eye opener for me, real eye opener for me. So, um, okay. Yeah. Number four. Why do we experience suffering? Can't God just take it away? So we know that suffering and disease and death is all, that's in the world because of sin. Mm-hmm. And that's going back to the garden. So we know that. We'll just establish that. Um, so I, I guess this is like, after you become a Christian, why doesn't God just... Right, you're redeemed. You're, you're, you're saved by the blood. You're saved. You have a relationship with Jesus. Why do we need to suffer as Christians? What benefit is it? I mean, Jesus has dealt with the ultimate suffering, which is death, eternal separation from God. And so we have the assurance that we're going to be with him in his presence and in his presence is fullness of joy and no more suffering. There'll be no more sorrow and suffering and death and so forth. Um, So, but why do we still experience suffering here now? Well, I think that you're right. I mean, we still, we still experience the suffering of a broken world. Um, So I guess I'm not a hundred percent clear. You're, you're saying, um, what does what, God use the suffering in our lives yeah, for? Yeah, what is the benefit of of suffering for us Christians? He allows us to go through those things. Yeah. 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 You know, the, the verse that comes to my mind, I think we talked about this the other day, didn't we? Uh, I think it's in Hebrews 4 or 5 where it talks about even about Jesus. He learned o- obedience through the things that he suffered, that there's a, there's a sanctifying. Now, obviously, Jesus doesn't need to be sanctified. He's perfect. But um, there's a certain aspect of training that God uses suffering in our lives so there's a number of good outcomes that can come from the things that we suffer and causing us to draw near to God and to run to him as our refuge. I think you read through the Psalms and you see the psalmist constantly talking about how those things that he went through draw us closer into God. So They should, yeah. yeah. God can be glorified in our suffering. I think of John 9, the, the uh, man who was born blind and ultimately healed in that passage. His disciples asked a pretty interesting question in that passage. You know, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? And Jesus said, neither. neither. Yeah. But that the the glory of God would be revealed in him. He he had this this suffering that he was going through, blindness, and God revealed his glory through those. Paul suffered, and in the suffering that he went through, I think of uh, 2 Corinthians talks a lot about Paul's suffering, especially chapter 12, and that it was in his suffering that he experienced his own personal weakness, but he experienced God's uh, strength. And so he said, I, I would boast in my sufferings because then the, the power of God was evident in his life. So I, I guess it caused a reliance in him to rely upon the Lord. So so God trains us. He sanctifies us through suffering. He glorifies himself through suffering. He shows himself mighty through our suffering. So I think all of those things come to my mind. I don't know. You have some thoughts on this? Well, I agree on it. I also think it's going to probably pertain to the last question we had on there about God's purpose for people. Ah. And I think suffering does make us more Christ-like. Uh, it forces us into that. Um, uh, and, we're, you know, you have to, what kind of suffering are we talking about? Uh, you know, as if maybe it's at the hands of other people. Yes, because we live in a broken, fallen world. And so that, what what is that going to do? What are we going to see, you know, the fallen world for there? I think it, as we um, contend, maybe even for those people, praying for our enemies, so to speak. So I think there's a, a biblical principle there. And I also think it pertains to one of our earlier questions. I think sometimes Christians will ask, um, why 
why am I suffering more than that other Christian over there? Yeah. And I think that's hard for some believers Comparison to watch. stuff, yeah. Yeah, and why Why is that guy got more money or a nicer wife or, uh, you know, why is his child alive and my child isn't? I mean, some really hard things we've seen that people can really cry, you know, foul, God, unfair. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking as you're talking, I was thinking of Paul or Peter's words on this in First Peter 4. He says in First Peter 4, 12, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing is happening to ah. you. But rejoice to the extent that you are a partaker of the sufferings of Christ, that when his glory is revealed, you also may be glad with exceedingly great joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of, go- of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. But let no one suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. I like that Ooh. one. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Mm-hmm. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those that do not obey the gospel and so forth? But but this whole picture of suffering in that passage is uh, is kind of interesting. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as a faith as uh to a faithful creator so um you know suffering god can be glorified through it yeah in a big way now i got a kind of a theory on this so i'd have to do quite a bit to short up but just a theory on it a little bit is it seems like some suffering is almost custom order for some people they repeat that same type of suffering sometimes uh why is that that you're smiling because you've seen it I I think I know where you're going with this, but I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, no, I mean obviously some people struggle some with people the same don't thing. Figure it out. That that's Is that true. What you're saying? There, yeah. that, there's that part. It's like man, you're suffering, but you did it to yourself. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. There's the Ron quote. They the did it to themselves. Quote. Yeah. But there's that part of the suffering and trials. But then there's another part that's like, gosh, why does this guy always have the same trial? And it's not always some. It's not necessarily something he's brought upon him. And sometimes I wonder. I go like, are these trials? custom ordered God is allowing this particular type of trial it's a test it's to only do a this test. in this person to 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 do a good work it seems like that sometimes potentially yeah I don't know uh, I, I can't get a chapter and verse I'm just observing on this one yeah sometimes people bring their own suffering upon themselves oh definitely and we see that yeah that's we've probably experienced that that's a that's that's that can be a hard one to watch yeah, and especially when you when you kind of give counsel or encouragement that hey, if you if you don't stop going down this path, it's going to lead to some suffering. No, 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 I got this. It's the whole here, hold my drink. Yeah, <laughs> here, yeah, yeah. I go do here, something yeah, stupid. Yeah, like, yeah, what is it, Jeff okay. Foxworthy says? You know, you're a redneck if any member of your family's ever died after saying, "Hey, hold <laughs> Famous my last beer, words, yeah, words. hold my beer, watch here, this, yeah, hold my Red Bull, yeah, exactly." <laughs> uh, I, well, and it's, you know, there's a handful of people I know that I've, you know, uh, know pretty well. And like a situation will come along and you go, I already know how this guy is going to react to this. And he's going to do it 100% wrong. And it's like, but, but it's going to be fun to watch. Well, I mean, no, and nobody, no, no. nobody, no, we would never we would rejoice never in no. somebody suffering. No, no. But uh, anyway, but it, it's almost like I know this guy's going to mess this up. And it's like I would put money on it that he's going to mess it up. And it's unfortunate because they mess it up. So, yeah. He's always going to choose door number three. Oh, Wrong goodness. choice. So, goodness anyway. gracious. Okay. So, um, is it, I call it answered. 
All right. And then some. Uh, number five, is it important for us to have a life verse? I like the quotes. Uh, and do we always need confirmation in the Bible before making a decision? Do you have a life verse or a verse that you'd say this has been a real important part of your walk with Jesus, your sojourn? Your so- journey? Ooh, you like sojourn. That, that was yeah. good. That was good. I King like James. That. Your pilgrimage. Pilgrimage? Your pilgrimage. You're sojourning with Jesus. My cosmic life path. Ah, yes. yes. So cosmic. Do you feel the vibrations? Yes. I do, but it's from the traffic in Escondido. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Wow. Uh, life verse. I got a little sidetrack. Uh, some it's scriptures squirrel? that mean a lot to me. Yeah. Uh, so Romans 5 is huge. Yeah, the, the hope and perseverance. Yeah, and so that uh, trials and tribulation yeah. bring perseverance or patience. It's, it's interpreted. Yeah. Uh, patience or perseverance, character, and character, hope. And I, I think we have to realize that God allows trials. And we were just talking about those. Um, but there's a reason. It's a four-step plan to perfection. And there's so many times I can look into my own life or other people's lives and go, okay, that's right. There's a plan here. And he's, he's allowing this. And this is coming out of the mouth of somebody who experienced trials and tribulations at, at, a, at a level that you and I haven't. And a few of those were of his own accord, things he had to get back over. He called himself the chief of sinners, right? And he was responsible for a lot of bad things that happened to the Christians. And so he had a lot to be repentant of in these things. A lot he felt bad about later on, but I'm sure. Uh, But that's a really important verse to me because I think it explains so much of life. Um, It's a big deal. But life verse, like having to be saved by it. Oh, I don't know if that... Yeah, I'm not saying yeah, by, but I mean, like, yeah, I, like, I don't... Like, this is my verse. Like, no, like I, if you had to have a tattoo of a verse reference, it would be that one. <laughs> don't don't get it. I'm just saying. No, 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 yeah. no. You, you know, I yeah, I don't have any tattoos. Yes. If you were going to get a tattoo, what would you get? I would... I, I can't even answer the question because just to me, I would never get one. Okay. Yeah. I'm cheap and I hate needles. Yeah. And that's just not the kind of long-term decision I'm willing to make. No. No, yeah. I, yeah, I don't understand it, to be honest with you. Anyway, that has nothing to do with the, the question. Okay, how about, life a, first. how about a tramp stamp of Pepper Le Pew? <laughs> <laughs> moving on, moving no, on. No, no, life no, first. No, no, I don't no, want to go there. No, I don't tramp, go there. Span, no, no. tramp stamp of Pepper Le Pew? <laughs> how am, about Mickey Mouse I'm holding opposed, his nose? I am opposed to that on so many levels. Okay, all right. So many levels. Okay, right. life first. Uh is it important for us to have a life verse? No, I don't think it's important for us to have a life verse. Do do a lot of Christians have a verse that they kind of they turn to like, hey, this is a really important verse to me? Yeah, I I think we do. I know I I have a number of favorite verses that you know I have committed to memory and I I think on yeah. them often. One that comes I mean, I know Romans 5 comes up in a lot of messages that you preach. And I know in a lot of messages that I preach, Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13 come up a lot. Mm. Work, um, you know, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works right. in you to will and to do his good pleasure. So those are really important to me. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. You know, we have the listening plan thing that goes out to about two, mm-hmm. 3,000 people every single day. Today's verse was a verse that it was one of the first verses that I ever remember memorizing. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 5, 5 and 6, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything is being of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God who has made us able ministers of the new covenant. Yeah. So that's been a really important passage to me. Um, so yeah, I think having having some verses that you kind of lean back against and, and really think on is probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. 
do we always need confirmation from the Bible before making a decision? I would say, no, you don't need it. Is it helpful? Yeah. I know when you came to work here, right. you've got you got a confirmation passage that confirmed for you to come here. Was it curse God and die? Which one was it? No. <laughs> Oh goodness! Surrender. I think it was the one about Nebuchadnezzar yeah, wandering. Yeah, surrender. In the yeah, wandering the wilderness. You know, the, the Northland. Oh my goodness! Uh, no, yeah. and I, I think there's certainly there's certainly scriptural. Uh, there's going to be certain parts of scripture that are situations that I definitely reflect on, and I use that. And then, like in Hebrews, it talks about the word being a discerner of men's hearts. Yeah, really important to me that when I'm discerning somebody's hearts, and that's part of my ministry and vocation is the ability to to discern people's hearts because we're sometimes forced to make decisions we don't always have a ton of time to do that uh, as much as i'd like but the way that the word says to discern a man's heart we know that a man's heart is discerned by what the word of god discerns it and so you can certainly test the spirits by asking questions that are rooted in scripture test the spirits that's where we're going to be in first john all right we're not talking about booze either here. We're talking about spirit spirits. No, it's not going to be a you know a wine testing event. Okay, no. good. Yeah. Um, so I think that's important. And then that exchange with Peter and Jesus is it in John where he's where else would I go? What else would I do? John six. Oh man, that's just powerful to me. And just being in that position, I feel in my life where it's like, where else would I go? And what else would I do? I just I don't see kissing Jesus goodbye. I just don't see it. No, I've seen too much. I've walked too much. You you are not going to be able to dispel with me the fact of Jesus Christ. So, but on this whole question of do we need a confirmation before making a decision, I I don't I do know some people who think like unless I have a clear verse in the Bible, I'm not moving forward. I don't necessarily think you need to do that, but I do think that your decisions need to align with the principles and the teaching of Scripture. Like, uh, you know, you you need to make decisions that are consistent with what the, the scriptures teach us to do. So, well, and I completely agree. And like, I think a lot of situations in the Bible, when you look at pretty great guys who mess up. Yeah. They kind of left the, the scripture or the principles of God Jesus, at the yeah, door. They left Jesus behind, so to speak. Yeah. Um, left behind. You, yeah. You could go back to the situation. Uh, I make the point with David and Bathsheba. Uh, what part of other man's wife is so hard to understand? Like it, it, that's pretty, pretty basic. Yeah. I think we would say that's a epic fail. Okay. But yeah. I mean, you know, scripture alone would have stopped you in that bad decision. Yes. And then to have Uriah, the which Hittite is interesting. Killed. If you remember in yeah. the book of Deuteronomy that God commanded that when the children of Israel had a king, that the king was to write his own record of the law. Yeah. He had to, he had to have his own handwritten scroll of the law just to like, Hey, let's make sure you know the law of God, King. So, they kind of well, failed it's, on that it's, one. Maybe. You can basically go back to, yeah, you wrote this down, so you can't claim ignorance. Right. Man. You, you know this stuff. That's legit. Truly. Man. So I think it should, your decision should always agree with Scripture. They should not go against any biblical principle or Scripture. Yes. But sometimes there's... there's There should be some level of counsel from, from wise brothers and sisters who walk with Jesus. Absolutely. Because other people can look at your life and go, no, you can't afford that. Or, see some blind spots that you don't yeah, see. that's not good for you. One of my favorite verses about discerning God's direction, it comes from out of uh, the book of Acts where it said, and it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. <laughs> 
So we, like, we roll with it. We roll. It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. I love that. I think we've made a lot of decisions like that. It seemed seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. We believe that God's in this, so we're moving forward on it. Yeah, I think you can beat some of the stuff to death. Truly, truly. Yeah, so I'm going, no, you don't have to specifically have a verse, but should not be in disagreement with Scripture. Yes. Uh, now, I do know. Math, when... math is another one. You shouldn't be, you know... <laughs> Don't argue with math, okay? Like, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. That's true. It's typically where this stuff comes up is I want to buy a new car or a house or this or that. Should I buy this? Yeah. Answer, no. No. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. So if you think God's going to magically pour money money through the door. No. Yeah. Um, I did have, when, um, when I was asked whether or not I would take over a ministry and be the junior high pastor, when I was first asked to teach the Bible, my, my initial thought was no. And then I was reading that in my regular devotions this is why I do think regular devotions are important. In my regular reading of the Bible, I was in first Samuel chapter 12. And at the end of the chapter, Samuel says, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord and ceasing to pray for you. And I will teach you the good and the right way. And I just, it seemed good to me and the Holy spirit. I believed that God was saying, Hey, I want you to do this. And this is what I'm calling you to do. And so it was like, all right, well, I got a verse. And now every time I want to quit, which isn't very often uh, anymore. Um, then I remember, no, that would be sin. I can't do that. Yeah. And I have that bulletin yes. from my former church. With, and uh, I remember the, I felt the Lord was asking me the question, like, if you could, st- we're going to stay here, or go up to Cross Connection, what would you do? And I'm, I'm just praying. And no, what would you do if you weren't afraid or questioning what was going on. And my answer was I would surrender. And 15 seconds later, I had the bulletin in it from the church with the word for the year. And the word for the year was surrender. And you went, oh man, I shouldn't have used that word. Going north. Yeah. Go north. Be flexible, I should have said. That's not in the Bible. No. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. God God will definitely, you pray about it. I think we spent plenty of time on that one. More than enough. Yeah. Okay, so... Number um, six, I think? Garrett said... Garrett said... Uh, we're always in trouble, Garrett said. Jesus used parables to reveal truth and to conceal truth. Why would Jesus conceal truth? I think he answered that in the sermon, actually. Doesn't he want us to know the truth and have it set us free? Oh, they're bringing scripture into this one. <whistles> I think it's John 8 that says, You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Juanocho. Okay. So why would Jesus conceal truth? Um, He conceals it so that we would seek it out. And if we seek it out, we will find it. And we will find it from him because he is the truth. So concealed truth is is, uh, like a, it's like a Christmas present. It's, it can be and should be revealed, but it's only going to be revealed when we open it up. So concealed truth is kind of wrapped up and we need to seek it out because God wants us to uh, find it. So, I mean, Jesus told the parables that concealed deep truths, mysteries of the kingdom of God. And um, it was only the seekers that came and asked him questions. And every time they came and asked him a question, he answered the question. He didn't hide it from him, right. but he wanted them to come seek it out. So, yeah. And, you know, I've observed this over really good Bible teachers slash communicators over the years that you listen to that, you know, some of these guys we know and are friends with. And, one thing I think is a pretty consistent thing with uh, good Bible teachers is um, 
they will bring you 90% of the way there on certain parts of a sermon. And when you fill in that last 10%, you come to the answer yourself by the evidence that they've presented. The aha moment. The aha moment. You will retain that. Oh, yeah. It's yours when you And, and keep it. It, it is not something that was chewed up and put on your plate. It is something that you, you sought and you found, and it was kind of made it your own, for lack of a better term. And that's how people learn. Right. Is by discovery. And so that's a very, very important thing to have in a Bible teacher. Well, and I know that you've experienced this before. I've experienced it many times before. I love when someone comes to me super excited about something that they found in their devotions or in the study of the scripture on their own. Right. And it's not like it's some new truth that, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Like 95, 99% of the time, it's like they're not revealing something to me that I hadn't seen before. But they found it on their own, and it's totally theirs. They're super excited about it. You're it's not like, going to believe this. Godliness, yeah, yeah, you, godliness with contentment is great gain. Have you ever had Whoa. one of those things where you're where you're uh, studying for a message you're preaching, and you find something that's like, man, this is amazing. I don't know if anybody's ever seen this. And then it's like clockwork. You're like reading through a commentary or listening to K-Wave, and some guy says it verbatim exactly with the way you found it. Stinking J. Vernon McGee stole it go, from man, me. Oh, yeah. Man. yeah. I ain't nothing. I'm not the first one. I ain't nothing. Well, it's like I thought I made up a Spanish word one time. You didn't. I did. Yeah. It was cacahuate. I'm like, cacahuate. And I thought that meant that's probably like something that's bad, like not good, right? Cacahuate. And then I found out it was the word for peanut. I'm like, man. Cacahuate? Cacahuate. Is peanut? Yeah. Wow. I want to say peanut butter is like. Cacahuete de crema or something like that. I'm sure oh, somebody will let me know, crazy. but it's like, yeah, no, it's crazy. But yeah, cacahuetes is, is peanut. Are we on number seven? I once nicknamed a kid cacahuete, and I found out that he was allergic to peanuts. That wasn't a good thing. So anyway, all right. So he conceals it on purpose, so we'll find it. Number seven, how do I make sure that my heart is like the fruitful soil and not the other three. Mark? Lots of fertilizer. <laughs> Lots of peanuts? Lots of cacahuate. <laughs> cacahuate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. Well, what were the other three? The other three, one was stony ground heart, mm-hmm. right? The other yep. one was choked out by the cares of the world. Right. Uh, the next one was what? We had weeds choking out like the cares of the world. Oh, the birds taking away the seed. And then the uh, the stony ground that's not been broken up. So, uh, yeah, I mean, guard your heart with all diligence. It's a great verse. Yeah, absolutely. It's the wellspring of life. It's important. Like back in the day when that was written, like a spring was a big deal. Yes, and uh, you know you didn't you didn't just find water bubbling out of the ground somewhere. Boy, when you had a spring on your property, you took care of it. You don't want people stopping it up or poisoning it or doing this or that. So, I mean, it was a big deal. And I think the point that was being made, and we lose this, you know, in a historical context, we lose this a little bit, but that was life. Water yeah. is life then. And it was it was huge. It meant everything. And the living water of the spirit or of the Bible is the spirit, right? Yep, absolutely. So we want God's spirit to work on our hearts. We want God's word. Jeremiah 23, verse 29 says that God's word is like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces, so he breaks up fallowed ground. Mm -hmm. So the word of God is uh, good for breaking up that fallowed ground. And so not only is it 
is the word of God, the seed that in, that is found in that parable, but it's also that which prepares the heart. So, right. And to guard a heart with diligence, uh huh. um, insinuates it's going to take a little bit of effort, a little bit of work. You got to be on watch. And so I think you need to, if, uh, if we have, if we have, uh, an exorbitant amount of, uh, cares of the world, we might yeah. need to set aside some of those things. Too many things that are taking up the bandwidth of our hearts. Maybe we need to yeah. cut some of those things out. Right. Uproot some weeds. There's a really hard word. It starts with a D. Yeah. It's called discipline. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to go on record as saying I'm the most disciplined person in the world. Uh, but there's a discipline to it. And the good news, like any other discipline, you know, wax on, wax off. The more you do it. The better, the more effortless it becomes, there you and go. the more second nature. Yeah, so that's the good news. So, the bad news is discipline. It's going to be part. You're going to need to do some, make some practical steps to have your heart be in the right place. Follow Jesus. Okay, um, number eight. I try and try, but my heart is just bad sometimes. Will it ever stop? No. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll close. Sorry, that's the first thing I thought of when I heard will oh, really? it ever stop. I was just Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll close. Who is that? Vanilla Ice. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I was I, was, I read that question and I saw, will it ever stop? And that just started looping in my see, mind. You grew up with that. <laughs> I, like, I, I don't. Yeah, there it is right there. Yeah. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll close. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. I, I won't do it again. I promise. Wow. Yeah, sure you won't. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you have the discipline. <laughs> I don't have the discipline. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I try and I try, but my heart is just bad sometimes. Will yeah. it ever stop? I can't get no satisfaction. Will yeah. it ever stop? Yo, uh, no. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, wow. In the words of Hell Ice, I mean, is he in the Precious <laughs> Moments theologian. Bible? Oh, the... he's a total theologian. Yeah, I was going to say, is there, a, is there a Vanilla Ice Bible? Yeah. Did you know Vanilla Ice ended up with his own show on HGTV where he was, uh, you know, like a, he would go and remodel stuff? You're kidding. And me. then he got thrown in jail for like stealing from someone as a part. I don't know what happened. Something to do with the show. Yeah. Wow. Anyways, that has nothing to do with number eight. <sighs> I try and I try, but my heart is just bad sometimes. Will it ever stop? Um, Yes, there is great hope in the fact that someday this corruption will put on incorruption. This mortality will put on immortality. We will be with the Lord, transformed. We'll be like him, and uh, we won't struggle any longer with our fallen sin nature. But Now, see, if I had the magic button over there, which I'm not trusted with, yes, we'd be listening to Journey, Don't Stop Believing. <laughs> Don't Stop Believing. <laughs> yeah. 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 So anyway, don't stop believing. That's that's my encouragement to you. Just keep on keeping on. Yes. And you will just... work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, and God will work in you to will and to do his good pleasure. I'm... And that we, we do believe in something called progressive sanctification. I, yep. had a, I had a long conversation with a group of guys about this last week, and uh, God is doing a work in us by his word and by his spirit of transforming us more and more into the likeness of his children. And so over time, that sanctification really does transform us in an awesome way where we find that the things that we once struggled with, we no longer struggle with. It's an awesome thing. And then new things pop up that we have to deal with. Well, and it's like the country song. Another country song? You yep. got to go there, don't you? I do, because you're such a big country music fan. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll close. Anyways. 
I'm just an old lump of coal, yes siree, but I'm going to be a diamond someday. Don't quit your day job. I know. I'm not a singer. I'm more of a vocal stylist, really. <laughs> a vocal stylist. The vocal stylings of... Anyway, yeah. you know what? Don't stop believing. Stay with Jesus. Just keep going. And From you know the country what? of La Jolla. You are an old lump of coal, but you're going to be a diamond someday. It's going to take some pressure and some heat, but pressure you're going to be a diamond someday. There you go. All right. So, the story of salvation. Number nine. Uh, okay, number nine. What is God's purpose or goal for Christians? To be transformed more and more into the likeness of his, his sons and daughters is one of the things. That's one. Another I think one. it's well, a big one. I think a lot of the things that happen to us or we walk through or we do, that, that is God's purpose in, it's in refining us yes. and being more like him. Yes. Uh, being more like Jesus. I affirm. And then that example is a light to others and others become more like Jesus, maybe as part of our... Um, Which would lead into another one of his purposes, that we would fulfill his commission to go preach the gospel to every creature, to make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that he's commanded us yeah. until, until he returns. So we got, we got that. So there's right. that. Right. And I, man, I really try to live that one because I think people, people are attracted to that. Yeah, I would say so. You know? So I, I had a funny interchange with somebody on a boat the other day. Did you now? Yeah. I was out on a fishing trip and ran into a guy. Let's call him Joe. Joe. And we're talking about old fishing rods and old boats and fishing trips. And, you know, he's about my age, maybe a little bit older. And then all of a sudden he starts telling me about his 13-year-old son that was killed in a crosswalk. And he broke down into tears. That's rough. And, uh, I mean, he knew me 12 minutes. Yeah. You know, but we're talking and... uh then he goes into a, another situation where he had an old girlfriend and there was a, a relationship and and uh, had a daughter by her and the girlfriend was killed by the cartel just a month ago and he hasn't heard from the daughter and again was in tears and then he looks at me and he stops and you, you have to forgive the language a little bit. Okay. He looks right at me and he goes, he goes, why am I telling you all my And I said, the reason you're telling me all your stuff, he, he didn't know why. Yeah. And I said, well, you probably didn't know this, but, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian and I'm a pastor. And what's happening right now is you're not doing a good job dealing with this stuff. And the Holy Spirit is encouraging you to get this stuff off your chase. This is a place where you're going to get answers. And so we sat down and we, we talked for Jesus with about Jesus for gosh, half an hour, 45 minutes together. And then, uh, he let me pray for him and it was really cool. We're going to have some, some fishing in the future and hanging out in the future, you know, changed up numbers. But I tell that story to say, you don't have to be a great evangelist. I think just walking with the Lord uh, the spirit of the Lord will be around you. The Holy spirit will emanate from just what you're doing and just having that attitude that, that, that spirit of the Lord. And he prepares other hearts to come to you, um, to do that. So we talked about a lot of kind of hard questions today. And I want to encourage people with that, that that stuff happens all the time to me. 
and I'm sure to you too and to others out there, it's just walking with Jesus and just being a light. It's not, you don't have to be a genius. You don't have to be perfect. Uh, just, you know, don't stop believing. Draw near to him. Yeah, and he'll draw near to you. I just had another question this moment. I let people to know me. that we take live questions. Did you know that? Well, here you go. Just All right, this moment. super live. Here, what here's is a question. I have been reading Second Samuel. I know, I know I David love Second sinned. Samuel. I know David sinned and God forgave him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Psalm 51, he re- expressed his repentance and God forgave him. I am troubled in that I don't understand how his children being killed and other misfortunes, Tamar, you might remember that story. Yeah. Oh, well, David's family tree was a train wreck after that. I don't understand how these things, these misfortunes are consequences of his sin. It seems like he was being punished even though forgiven. I'm sure I'm missing something. Well, this kind of falls in line with some of the stuff we were talking about today so far in the podcast, uh, the experience of suffering. Sometimes we bring these sufferings on ourselves. And this is, not, this is not David being punished as much as it is David experiencing the consequences of his example. Set a terrible example, committed adultery with Bathsheba, hid it for over a year, had her husband murdered, killed, all these terrible things, and um, was obviously not doing a very good job of leading his family because then one of his sons raped his half-sister, and then another one of his sons killed the brother that raped the half-sister, so his house just totally fell apart. And a lot of this was right. consequences of uh, David not being a good example. Yeah. Of I, I, I heard J. Vernon McGee quote at one time, and he goes, David, friends, was an indulgent father. And he was. He did not, he, I mean, he had to know that his sons were not doing well spiritually. And if he didn't, it's on him hmm. because, uh, you know, he was not being a good dad. He was not being a, a, a present father. And uh, I think you can learn from your mistakes uh, or you can continue in them. You know, when I teach Proverbs 31 and I had the blessing to teach it to the ladies not too long ago, um, I teach it because I believe it was written by Bathsheba. Is most many Bible scholars do. And when you realize that it's Bathsheba and she's talking about all these qualities, she's basically saying, in my opinion, this is what I want you to look for in a wife, Solomon, because this is who I wasn't, and this is what's good for you. This is what she wants to see in a daughter-in-law. And you look at all these qualities, because there's never been the Proverbs 31 woman. Nobody can do all that. I don't know. I married her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So anyway, that's how I teach it, and that's I that's what I think, and it, I think we see in David's life. There's issues in David's life, and they're directly they're not a generational sin in the fact that God has put it there, but it's a generational thing in that he had did not teach the lessons that were supposed to be taught, and I don't believe that he was a very good example as a godly man. He did drop the ball. He did. Uh, so our favorite IT guy was in today, fixing some IT stuff here. Uh-huh. Our internet works great now. Yeah, dude. Kevin's the man. Super quick. I don't know if he listens to the Padres. Podcast, though. Padres? Padres, yeah. Anyway, the yeah. Padres. It's like the Padres. I was I was typing podcast on my phone uh-huh. yesterday when I was sending something to someone, and it changed podcast to outcast. Wow. I think that's probably fitting for us. That'll be our next podcast. The, the Outcast podcast. podcast. Yeah, we'll we should a, probably start that. What uh, would we do with the Outcasts podcast? Fishing show, for sure. Oh, well, oh, yeah, no, I go. wasn't thinking about that. That's totally way off from what I was thinking. Okay. But it makes sense. I we mean, could do a show just about guys. We could talk about get... our internet man. 
Well, so great guy, but he was telling me because we were talking about building automation. Uh huh. Because that's what guys talk about, and he said they have a deal, something called gunshot detection. Yes, that can tell exactly where it came from. So it, but no. So if the, that that's a real thing, but he yeah. was saying in the buildings that they work on, uh huh. If there's gunshots, active shooter, active shooter, automatically, it locks down the doors and all the cameras go on. Wow. To a central location. So they can find the shooter and you know keep him contained, uh-huh. uh huh, and all that. And I said, "Wow, can you imagine that in a house where they had like wife or mom gets mad detector, and it automatically goes off and starts live streaming it on the internet? Ooh. I mean, not at our house. I mean, our wives are perfect. Now I'm thinking about this like, like little brother hits big brother detection." And it automatically Ooh. seals off the room. Yeah. Oh. Then they could never say, I didn't do it. I didn't do anything. I go, no, They're, I got it right here. Yeah. And then right their here. dessert automatically goes in the trash can or something. Totally. That, well, that happens anyways. Well, or it goes to the sister. Can you imagine that, man? You oh, know? boy. That would revolutionize. I think we'd have less counseling appointments. What do you think? Probably not. No? No. No. Oh, well. Anyways. Um, there I go. Trying to solve problems with technology. So, what's the secret word for this weekend? Cacahuate. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, all right. It's a legit Spanish word, man. Peanut. Uh, now now and, I have to and, look And I have the peanut gallery. Translate peanut English to Spanish. It's cacahuate. I, I know this. I, I'm practically bilingual. I don't think you're right. I am totally right. You're totally not. I am totally right. Oh, wait. There's another word for it. Yes, there is. Cacahuate. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Here we go. El cacahuete. <laughs> cacahuate. El cacahuete. Hey, cacahuate. That guy's talking with an accent. That's not Let's fair. Let's see this one here. He's Oaxacan. El cacahuate. There you go. Wow. See? This... El mani. El mani. El mani. Oh, no, 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 no. El cacahuete. <laughs> How about... Okay, hold on. Let's see. Let's try this. Peanut... Butter. Um, La manteca de cacahuete. Oh, manteca is like butter. Yeah. There you go. Or lard. La manteca de cacahuete. I think the code should be that podcast was cacahuate. <laughs> no. No? No. Okay. Just let's just code word. Cacahuate. La cacahuate. La cacahuate. La cacahuate. Okay. okay. Well, there we go. All right. There you have it. Hey. Number 25 is <laughs> in the can. Hey. <laughs> You're Probably the where it should be. It's Mark and Miles. You're Miles. You're the queso grande, man. All right. All right, big cheese. We'll see you next week. Adios. Wow.